0: Great, thanks Andy for uh, playing that video and thanks Sue for reading the reading. there's so much in these five verses. I keep having to count them to check it's only five because there just seems to be so much to unpack. So let's get straight on with it. It's been great to hear testimony from other members of my home group, uh, something of what they've found uh, God's been saying to them over the last few months. And for me, actually, the clip that we uh, showed was from a television show called The Chosen, which is based on the life of Jesus. And uh, is going to be a multi-season show. There's only season one so far. And actually, I found that has been a real way that God's spoken to me over the last uh, few months. I think I watched it mainly during the first lockdown, and I really recommend it. You can find them. They've made them all available for free, and you can find them on YouTube if you're interested. Uh, our older group at Foundation have also been looking at them each week, so you could always talk to one of them or talk to John T. or Abby as well if you wanted to just find out a bit more, or just stick it into a search engine, and you'll come up with it from The Chosen. I think one of the things they do really well, they obviously take the Bible passage and they uh, interpret that and put that on the screen. But they also then prayerfully imagine around that what it would have looked like. Uh, Maybe they've included sort of some imagined backstories for people to try and fill it out so that it becomes a three-dimensional story and not simply uh, the words on a a page. And one of the things I think they do really well in that little clip we showed was give a bit of a background as to what... uh, status tax collectors had in that time. And I'm sure many of us are familiar with the fact that uh, tax collectors were ostracised, really, because they were viewed as collaborating with Rome. They were collecting the taxes to pass on to the Romans. And so they were kind of pushed to the edge of society. And they did that well. They showed that the Roman soldier saying to Matthew, what on earth are you doing? You're giving up all of this privilege from your position to follow this street preacher. What on earth is going on? And then you could see from the disciples' side, we don't have that conversation in the the Bible passage, but you can imagine that they too would have had an opinion about what on earth is Jesus doing, inviting one of them to come and follow him. And so the kind of obvious layer I think that we want to start with is the fact that These people who are pushed to the edge of society. Society is is distancing themselves from these people. Jesus doesn't do that. He is right in the middle of them. And he seeks out the people who are pushed to the edge. And so... Obviously, that's something that we hear quite a lot. That doesn't surprise us about Jesus. Even in the passage, the chapters just before chapter 9, we see Jesus encountering people who would have been pushed to the edge and doing something miraculous in their lives. He he heals a leper. He um, he heals the servant of a Roman soldier who comes to him in faith and says, you can heal him even from here. You don't even have to come to my house. You can do it from here. And so we know that Jesus reaches out to those on the edge, And we also know, therefore, that we should be the same. We shouldn't be people who push others to the edge, but we should be people who seek them out and draw them in. That attitude and that behaviour on Jesus' part leads to a clash with the Pharisees in our Bible passage. And yes, sorry, Andy, I know you've been putting slides on and then taking them away, and if we could have them back up and if you could move on to the one with the yellow boxes... uh, this just shows a little bit of the, the clear-cut way that the Pharisees would view who is righteous and who is a sinner. And they'd have very clear idea of who's in which box. They'd need to know because a, a lot of there were lots of rules around being made unclean. If you came into contact with something or someone unclean, you would be made unclean yourself, and that would have lots of consequences about what you'd need to do. And so they're very clear about who is in which box. But if we just have the next slide, they find Jesus in the unexpected box. They would think, what on earth is a preacher, a religious man, someone who talks about God? He shouldn't be in that box. He should be coming into the righteous box and just dealing with people like that. And Jesus uses that analogy that he's come for the sick not the healthy and you can imagine ringing up your doctors and trying to make an appointment and then they're saying oh i'm really sorry but actually the doctor's not seeing sick patients at the moment so um just stay at home for a couple of days and when you're feeling better give us a ring and we'll try and fit you in i mean it's just utterly ridiculous and so jesus is saying well, where would you expect me to be these people need me so i of course i'm right there and i think so far so good we we kind of probably have all heard something along those lines a lot and as I was preparing this I felt like actually that's not the focus of what God wants to say today I think we often end at that point we think yes God Jesus reaches out to those on the fringe and so should we and of course that is all true and maybe that's something you need to that God's saying to you today and that's a challenge enough in itself but actually I've been challenged in a different way Uh, I think there's often a danger that we misunderstand or even subconsciously get a, a false view of what Jesus is saying in those moments I think it's easy to hear there are two groups of people there is a righteous box and a sinner's box and I've come for the sinners and actually the righteous you guys are okay you've got it together and you don't need me and I think a lot of us if we've been around church a bit rationally we wouldn't think like that we would have arguments to disagree but i think it's easy subconsciously to still think that he's saying i haven't come for you pharisees because you're okay or even if we think oh hang on we know pharisees generally don't come off well in encounters with jesus but maybe there are still there is a box that we would put people in maybe it's church leaders or maybe it's that person that's really impressive when they pray and you think oh yeah they've got it all together they're in that box But there's a massive twist in that encounter that Jesus has with the Pharisees. If we could have the next slide, uh, Andy, that would be great. So Jesus, in his encounter, he talks to them and says, you Pharisees, you need to go away and you need to have a look at this scripture. And he quotes a verse from the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament where it says that uh, God desires mercy and not sacrifice. So that's the bit that, that Jesus quotes showing that God's perspective is completely different to what they were doing. And it's interesting, he only quotes the first half of this verse, but the second half. So it says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God, not burnt offerings. It reminded me a little bit, Mark, talked quite a lot recently about the greatest commandment to love God with everything we have. And actually, what Jesus is pointing to here when he says this to the Pharisees is that it's completely possible to do all the things you should do, to give all the right sacrifices, make all the right offerings, tick all the boxes to make sure that you keep the law, and yet completely miss the point. It's his invitation to reconsider their view of the world. There's other places, actually, in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus talks about this kind of thing. And in in Matthew 23, there's a whole section where he talks to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It's called the the little heading in the NIV is Seven Woes. It's a cheerful passage. And he challenges them about their behavior and compares what his perspective is versus what their perspective is. So let's have a look. Here's what he says in just one of the woes. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Just brilliant. I love that last bit. Apparently, I I did read something about this, apparently... Uh, so gnats were, I think, one of the creatures that would have been unclean. And so I think the Pharisees actually strained their water to make sure that they wouldn't accidentally swallow something that was unclean. And Jesus is saying, you're paying such attention to these minute details. You're making sure that every last leaf of your herbs, you give a tenth to the Lord. But actually, you completely miss the point because there's some things that are far more important, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And I, just, I got to thinking, what would have happened, I wonder, if one of the Pharisees in that discussion had done what Jesus said and had gone away and looked at this scripture and had been open to the challenge of maybe they'd missed the point. Imagine reading that and thinking, oh, yeah, I've, I've done that. I've strained out the gnats and counted my herbs. And, gosh, maybe I have missed something. Maybe I should have been showing love and kindness, that mercy. Maybe I should have been judging the poor with justice. I think what it would have showed them, that instead of those two boxes where you've got separate, these groups of this group of people is righteous and this group of people are sinners, I think it would have shown them that actually no one could be in that righteous box. There was no one who got it sorted, no one who'd not missed the point in some way. And so I think the challenge comes when we think there are people in that box, but on merit. People who have got it together. And of course we know because of, because of Jesus what happens when we put our faith in him. We get transformed and get given his righteousness. So it's not righteousness that we earn. It's not righteousness because we've got it all together. It's a gift from him when we connect with him so that box that when we join him in that box we get given his righteousness so what on earth has all this got to say to us today why do i think god's drawn our attention to this i think for me it's all about the overarching kind of contrast there's a whole load of contrast in this story There's the contrast uh, between healthy and sick, righteous and sinners. There's the contrast between the people on the inside and the outside, as far as society is concerned. And we've got the big contrast that Jesus has just drawn between mercy and sacrifice, between God's perspective and the Pharisees. But I think for me, the overarching one is the direction of travel and where people put themselves with respect to Jesus. So... We've got different characters in the story. Matthew, we haven't even really talked about Matthew, but Matthew, I loved how in The Chosen, that just little expression of surprise he gives when Jesus says, follow me. It's like, really, me? And I think his response could have been rejection of that offer, but he doesn't reject it. He, he checks, but he goes, he goes with Jesus. He puts himself with Jesus. Uh, the sinners that come to the dinner party, they're also with Jesus. They don't distance themselves. They don't think, oh, Je- Jesus was clearly a good person to be around. He didn't make people feel awkward about their mess. He didn't feel uh, make people feel condemned for their choices. He was able to welcome, and uh, those people were able to be with him. And the Pharisees, on the other hand, they did distance themselves from Jesus. They um, were close-minded. They wouldn't accept, they wouldn't rethink their perspective in the light of what he was saying. And they just made sure that they stepped away from him. And I wonder which of those boxes, shouldn't probably have put them in boxes, but I wonder which of those uh, characters you, you might connect with today. Um, I got I got the sense as I was preparing that actually... Maybe this wouldn't be a case of one answer per person. It's not a case of actually in all of my life I feel like I'm doing this or I feel like that. I feel like there's often areas of our lives that we're doing different things and we might be relating to Jesus in different ways in different bits of our life. Maybe we're someone who feels on the fringes, maybe even on the fringes of church. You're not really sure how to engage, you feel a bit peripheral, you don't feel very important. and the, maybe the the encouragement is to recognise that being with Jesus, He is the centre. Actually, it's about following Him and being drawn into His family. Maybe we we discount ourselves sometimes. Maybe there's some area of your life where you feel like, actually, I don't really want to be near Jesus with this bit. It feels too messy. It feels too shameful. It feels too repetitive um surely he's he's fed up and actually i don't want uh, it doesn't feel comfortable being with him maybe you realize that there's an area of your life where you don't really acknowledge God at all remember that verse from hosea that he's looking for acknowledgement of god in our in our lives maybe you feel like you are just bogged down in the religious routine you know you do things you do good things praying reading your bible but it's because you're ticking things off the list not because you're acknowledging God. Maybe you're blind to uh, your needs in an area. Maybe you you are really rigid in your thinking in one particular way and blind to what God might be saying about his perspective on it. I think, I mean, that's just a few examples that I thought of, but then there could be any number of ways that you uh, feel God speaking to you on this today and my uh, question and my encouragement to you is whatever you you feel, wherever you are with that however many different responses for different areas of your life my encouragement is move towards Jesus with it don't let it be something that distances you don't make it into a barrier that gets between you and Jesus don't believe the lies that say actually he doesn't want to deal with this this is too much for him, or he could never still love you after that. Don't believe those lies and move towards Jesus. So I think I think that's all I want to share, which means we've got lots of time to respond, which is great. Um, what I think I'd like to do, I've got a question. Oh, brilliant, Andy's ahead of me with that question so this is the question we'll have it for the coffee groups at the end as well to discuss but this is a question that I really want to encourage you to engage with right now how are you going to move towards Jesus this week I was on um, some of you know I'm doing I I work here at Cairns as as the office manager and I'm currently doing a a course at the moment and I had a training session for it on uh, Thursday and one of the things they were talking about was the impact of learning how do we make sure that what we learn has an impact? And I was really struck by that then for for the discipleship journey effectively. Um, And it's something I think that Nigel Coles has spoken to us several times when he's come and spoken about that kind of cycle of discipleship where it's really important to make sure that we don't just listen to something which hopefully has been vaguely enjoyable and easy to listen to. And um, we don't just listen to it and go that was good and then do nothing. Or we don't just go. Oh, that's something I hadn't really thought of before. I've learnt a new fact about something. I can now quote Hosea chapter six. The really important learning, the really important part of learning, is the bit where it has an impact on our behaviour, and that the discipleship journey is is all about that, isn't it? God shaping our perspective so that we act differently. He transforms us to be more like Jesus. So what I really want to encourage you with this question. Uh, so the question is, how are you going to move towards Jesus this week? It's very specific. It's actually encouraging you to think of an action. Now, it might be that you've, you've listened to everything I've said and actually you don't feel like God's particularly drawn your attention to anything, but it's something else entirely, something that he's already been talking to you about. And that's absolutely fine. It, you, know, you don't have to share these things with anyone necessarily, so I will never know. It's absolutely fine. But I really encourage you to engage with God on something that you're going to do differently this week um, because of what he's been speaking to you about. So what we're going to do, I'm going to pray and then we're going to leave just a minute or two of quiet so that we can each reflect on this question. And then John T, Abby and Emily are going to lead us into our final worship. So I encourage you to get comfortable. You might want to change your position if you're uh, if you need to. You might want to close your eyes just so that you're Uh, not distracted. You might also want to choose to do something like put your hands out just as a symbol to God that you're uh, wanting to receive from him. You're open to, to what he has to say to you. Father, thank you that you move towards us. Thank you that you seek us out. Whether or not we feel pushed to the edge, you seek us out. And Holy Spirit, I invite you just to uh, move in our hearts to prompt us as we reflect that you'd be drawing people's attention to what you're saying to them. That you'd be helping people hear you. That you'd be helping people know what you're calling them to do this week to move towards you.